you are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of, of Aviha. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was, was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the, father, the hearts of the fathers to children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Faith. Praise the Lord. I am Rosalind Smith. Your director of adult education here at Mosaic. Maybe you've seen me in community group, discipleship group. Maybe we've met in Leadership 215, a grow class. I don't know, foundations. But if I have not had the opportunity to meet you, allow me just 30 seconds to introduce myself. I am married to that young man that just read the scripture. We met at the University of Missouri in where I was finishing my PhD in biological engineering. We then moved to the East Coast, and we lived there for nine years as an NFL family. We have two kids, two dogs, and a foundation where we serve inner-city youth in the Youngstown, Ohio area. So that is me in a nutshell. Please allow me to meet you. Register for a grow class and come and meet me over in the Mosaic offices. Pastor Morgan, thank you for this opportunity. Carrie, thank you for the example that you set on this stage for us, for me, for my daughter. Um, I honor you. Prayer warriors, you still praying? <laughs> our Father, we thank you. God, open our ears to hear your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. If you are new here, welcome. If you were here last week, you know that we are in a new series um, for Christmas, for or our Advent season. It's called Rediscovering the Gifts of Christmas. All month long, we'll be looking at those things that we long for most in ourselves or in the world around us. And what we'll find out 
during our search, they are the things that the person of Jesus Christ came to bring us all along. To add to the excitement today, because I'm excited, today is the first of a two-part message, and Pastor Morgan will bring the second part on next week. So stay tuned, come back. As I said earlier, we're an NFL family, so football is in our home frequently. Um, my, my husband and I have gone back and forth on when my son could play tackle football. For years, I've said no. This year, I got vetoed. He's turned nine. He played tackle football. And actually, it was not bad. It was not bad at all. We had a great year. But this one game in particular, I want to tell y'all about. It was a beautiful day. We were headed out to Lake Travis, one of the fields there. Um, overlooks trees, beautiful field. It was a beautiful day. The, the sky was clear. The wind was at our back. The sun, it was just the right spot for football. As we pull up and park, a swarm of police officers pull in behind us. I say swarm, but I'm like four or five, but it's a swarm to me. And so we sit in the car for a second, we wait to see what's going on, and it fi we find out, Brad gets out to make sure it's all clear, we find out that there's an altercation because you Texas people are crazy about football. <laughs> and so it was the coat, we could come, it was fine, we could get out and, and take our, our items. Now, y'all, I'm not nosy, but I like information. <laughs> so... I needed to take something down to Brad on the field because I'm a good coach's wife. Um, and so I, I took the path of most information, which just so happens to be where a first officer and a first person were standing and a second officer about 10 yards away with a second person standing. And that was the path I needed to get to my husband. So I passed by, just casually, the first officer and first person, just in time to hear the first officer say, was there any physical contact? First person says, no, there was no physical contact. I said, oh, that's good. Texas people, not that bad. <laughs> Passed by just in time to hear the second officer say, was there any physical contact to the second person? Second person says, absolutely, sir, that was physical contact. These officers, they answered a call a call for help. They've come to the scene of where they need to, to help, and they're asking questions. They're looking for something. They're looking for something that you and I need every day. We need it at home. We need it at play. If we play recreational sports, we need it from our kids. They're looking for something that our kids need from us. They're looking for something that we need from our doctors, we expect from our lawyers. They're looking for something that Winston Churchill says, it's so precious that it's often accompanied by a bodyguard of lies. They're looking for truth, y'all. They're looking for someone to corroborate truth. Who here can tell me the truth about the situation? And I feel like we get the same thing in the temple with Zacharias and Gabriel. I mean, there's no football, there's no crowds, but Zacharias is here with Gabriel. Gabriel's been in the presence of God, and he comes here looking truth. The only problem is he gets the same thing that those officers got. Confusion. And so this is strange behavior for Zacharias because Zacharias is actually 
a really good guy. We find here that Luke is writing an account to Theophilus. And in this account, he tells Theophilus, I'm not just going to go on what I know. I'm going to go get eyewitnesses. And I'm going to find out what they have to say about what I'm going to tell you. And I believe that Luke went and got witnesses. He went and got people, maybe the the people that were standing outside of the temple praying. Maybe he got someone that lived in Zacharias' neighborhood. And he he wanted to find out what type of character is this dude, Theophilus? You know, people like the gospel, so they're going to give him the, the, the dirt. But they didn't give him dirt. They said, no, Zacharias is a good dude. Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth? No, no, no. They follow all the laws of the commandments, all the laws of the Lord, all the laws of the Torah. It's like 630-something laws. I know, they follow all of those. They're good people. The, the Bible says they're righteous and blameless. So this is out of character for Zacharias to, to be causing confusion. But I think what happens with Zacharias is found in verse 12. It says that fear fell upon him. Scientists say that when, when we are faced with a situation that causes us fear or, or maybe the um, illusion of fear, a, a perceived threat, that chemicals in our body change. The adrenaline and cortisol in our body increases, causing us to, to react, respond in one of two ways. There are other ways to respond, but these are the top two. They call it fight or flight. Now, I don't know if you know anything about angels, but David says they excel in strength. So my guess is... Zacharias wasn't trying to roll up on Gabriel. <laughs> so he flights. He flights on who he knows God to be. He flights on his relationship with God. He flights on his identity in God. He flights on his faith in God. It was inadvertent, but he flights. In a moment of fear, Zacharias abandons his faith in the power of God, and he assumes the identity that culture gives him. He assumes the identity that society gives him. Oh, you say, baby? Oh, no, I'm too old to have a baby. That's what society says. Culture says, I'm too late for this particular place. And he fights on who he knows God to be. His fears place his circumstances above God's word. So now suddenly the words that Zacharias speaks, they don't match his prayers. They don't match his petitions to God. And because of this, because our words have power, all of our words have power, because of this, Gabriel says, enough. You've you've, you've spoken enough confusion. I need you quiet now. And so he silences Zacharias to avoid any further confusion because where there is no truth, there's confusion. So how do we train or discipline ourselves to properly respond when fear falls upon us? We'll find out by exploring the gift that keeps on giving, the gift of truth. So what does the gift of truth keep giving? Many gifts, but we'll focus on three. And if you'll allow me, because it's Christmas, I'd like to keep them under wraps until we get to them. So a little Christmas present suspense. But before we begin, y'all, I'm like this Baptist, Pentecostal, hybrid type type person, and I'd like to hear a response from the crowd. But I'm going to tell you what to say, because I know y'all are quiet people. 
So, when I say, and ye shall know the truth, I need y'all to say, and the truth will make you free. Will set, will, shall make you free. So, can we practice? Yes. And ye shall know the truth. Look at y'all. Y'all know the King James Version and everything. And the truth shall make you free. All right, let's go. First, first gift, the gift of identity. So I went to school in West Texas, Texas Tech. I don't know if we have any writer fans in here. And <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> it's fine. I also went to Missouri. It's fine. Um, but there, I, my bachelor's and master's are in electrical engineering. I was the only African-American in my program and one of two women in the program. And a very, one day, a very opinionated young man tells me that I did not deserve to be in the program, I did not fit among them, and that I should leave. Praise God. <laughs> I wanted to fight, not flight. Thank God for grace. Amen. Can I be honest? I want to fight when people try to redefine my identity. I want to fight when they go after men that look like my husband and my son, and they try to place an identity on them that is not them. I want to fight when people tell me that I don't deserve to wear a mantle, stand on a platform, and preach the gospel to a body of people. I want to fight. I want to fight people that propagate sexism, racism, injustice, elitism, oppression, dehumanization. I want to fight. But ye shall know the truth. Yes, it will. Somebody say it. Paul says, Roz, bring it back. He reminds me that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul is saying, Ross, it's not people that you want to go after. If you want to win this fight, you got to go after the host of wickedness. Okay, Paul, I'm listening. Here's the best example I can give y'all. So I told y'all I'm in biology, right? Can I speak my language for a moment? So in biology, there is a, there's a host and a parasite relationship. The parasite feeds off the host. The host exploits the parasite to spread diseases. Without the host, the parasite cannot live, it cannot grow, and it cannot multiply. But with the host, it can spread diseases. Likewise, people, they, they, they're attached to this host of spiritual wickedness. They're not the wickedness. They're attached to the host. He's exploiting them to spread the wickedness. So if we can get the host out of the picture, if we can destroy the host, then we can redeem the person. Okay. So how do we do it, Roz? It sounds like y'all are in. All right. How do we do it? How do we go after the host? Well, it's a war. So we're going to need some armor. Paul says, start with the belt of truth. All right, Paul, what does that mean? Uh, Paul says, what is, thy, what is truth? Thy word is truth. I think I get it now, Paul. We, we attack the spiritual wickedness with the word of truth. Let me try. 
you actually do need me around if you want to see God because I'm made in the image of God. You don't have to choose me. Isaiah says he has chosen me and he has not rejected me. I'm the head and not the tail, above only, never beneath. I don't have to fear you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm marvelous are your works, dear Lord, that my soul knows full well. I'm smart because I have the mind of Christ. I'm strong because greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. I actually can stand and proclaim the gospel of God to a body of people because I'm a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession they, that I may declare the praises of my Lord who called me out of darkness into the marvelous light. I am who he says I am and nobody has the authority to redefine my identity. I think I got it now. The gift of truth brings the gift of identity. Let's unwrap the second gift, the gift of forgiveness. In life, offense will come. We gotta forgive. Scientists say it's not just the, um, the, the, the threat of fear, the perception that fear that causes that chemical change in our body. It's actually caused by unforgiveness and an offense because our body reacts to the stress that's in our body. So that there's an increase in cortisol, there's an increase in, um, in adrenaline, and it causes that the excess increase in those chemicals begin to deplete our natural killer cells. These natural killer cells are needed to fight off cancer, to fight off viruses. If they're not there, the cancer proliferates in our body just this loosely. And so now, I want you to know that, unfor- that forgiveness is not just a good Christian concept. Forgiveness can literally save your life. Bernard Meltzer, Meltzer says that when you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change your future. He's a 100% correct. Luke does not exactly tell us what Zacharias had to forgive. But he was human. Zach was human, so I'm 100% sure that he had to forgive something. He had to forgive somebody. And if I were to make a hypothesis, I would guess maybe he had to forgive the angel. Maybe he had to forgive Gabriel for taking his voice. I mean, it was not detrimental, but it was an inconvenience and maybe embarrassing. Maybe he had to forgive the angel, or maybe it was people he had to forgive. I mean, he knew his boy John would be different. He didn't know he would be like eating locusts and wild honey in the wilderness different, but maybe he had to forgive people for making fun of his boy. I don't even know if Zacharias was alive when Herod called for his son's head on a platter, but if he was, he would have to forgive Herod for killing his boy unjustly. Or maybe it was God that Zacharias had to forgive. I know it sounds weird, but maybe he had to forgive God. I mean, God, look how good I was. Look how righteous I am. I followed all your laws, but yet you didn't answer my prayers in time. You allowed Herod to take my boy's life. Maybe he had to forgive God. I don't know what he had to forgive, but know that he had to, and so do we. And ye shall know the truth, 
Yes, it will. A little over a year ago, my husband and I, along with a large group from Mosaic, we went on a a short-term mission trip to Rwanda. And we went to serve a little town outside, about two hours outside of Kigali, a town called Kajeo. We're going to build gardens so that they could have nourishment, vegetables to eat. Before going, I wanted to read more or learn more about the culture. And so I read a book called Left to Tell by Immaculate Eli Bagiza. And in this book, Immaculate describes the 100-day genocide that caused this now troublesome um, area, lots of harm. Um, it happened just 26 years ago. And she, she talks about this 100-day genocide. They say in this genocide, a million people were killed. It's the fastest killing spree in the history of the world. She describes her 91 days in a four by three foot bathroom with seven other women hiding for their lives. When she, when the genocide was over, she went to the prison to meet the man that led the mob that killed her entire family. And he hunted her. During this this time, the officer that she knew brings the prisoner, the man who led the mob, out to her. And he says, he looted your parents' home and robbed your family's plantation, Immaculate. We found your dad's farm machinery at his house, didn't we? After he killed Rose and Damascene, that's her brother and mother, he kept looking for you. He wanted you dead so he could take over your property, didn't you, pig? The officer shouted. As she watched... Felician, sobbing, recognizing the, the, the hurt and pain that he had caused this family. She reached out, touched his hand, and said, I forgive you. The officer was angry. He took the man back across the courtyard to his room, comes back furious at Immaculate. What was that all about, Immaculate? That was the man who murdered your family. I brought him here here to, to, to use a question, to spit on if you wanted to, but you forgave him. I answered him with truth, Immaculate says. Forgiveness is all I have to offer. It wasn't that Immaculate didn't want revenge. She sat in that bathroom for days thinking of ways to, get, to kill, to get them back for what they did, to get them back for the stories that she would hear about how they murdered her brother. She thought of ways, but one day she realized that it was killing her inside. The hate, the pain that, that came with unforgiveness, it was tearing her apart. And so she asked for a Bible. And she began to absorb the truth of God's word. It's all she had to give because that's what she put inside her. You put the truth of God's word. Forgiveness is, is hard. It's not an easy concept. But when we allow the, the God's word to penetrate our hearts, it makes it easier. The truth is I need God's forgiveness too much not to forgive others. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Listen, I won't hold your forgiveness for ransom. I won't hold their forgiveness for ransom when the ransom's already been paid. The gift of truth brings, gives the gift of forgiveness. So we'll unwrap one more gift, y'all. The gift of truth gives the gift of freedom. Luke records on the eighth day 
um, after the, the baby was born, Zach and Elizabeth's baby was born, the, the covenant of circumcision was to take place. And during this time, there's a circumcision process, and then the baby is given this Hebrew name. As they're preparing to give the baby his Hebrew name, Zacharias, Elizabeth yells out, no, his name is John. They motion to, to Zacharias to find out if this is indeed true, and he asks for a tablet. And on that tablet, he writes out, his name is John. The moment that Zacharias declares what God said about his situation, he receives freedom. He receives his voice back. When we declare what God says, we receive freedom. And ye shall know the truth. Yes, it will. That was the last one, y'all. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's actually the second phrase of a two-part sentence that's joined by the conjunction. And the first part of that sentence says, if ye continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Our freedom is not found in a place or thing. It is the gift of truth that makes us free. The gift of truth is a person, y'all. He was born about six months after John. The gift of truth was born to a virgin Mary. They say he was wrapped in swallowing clothes. And the gift of truth lived a sinless life. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He, he was crucified, died, and was buried. But on the third day, the gift of truth rose with all power in his hands. He ascended unto heaven, and the gift of truth is coming back again. What is truth? John says, thy word is truth. He could say this because he, he knew, he had a deep understanding of what thy word was. And everything that John the apostle said hinged on this one fact. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. What is truth? Thy word is truth, John says. The apostle John later says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Y'all, the gift of truth is Jesus. He's the source of truth, the standard for truth, the qualifier for truth. There is no truth apart from him. If you don't know Jesus today, I'm done. But I just need you to receive this gift the gift that gives when we don't deserve it, the gift that gives when we don't understand who we are. If you don't know Jesus, your eternity lies on this one question. Will you accept him as your savior? Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe that's not your deal. Maybe it's your identity. Maybe it's your identity that you haven't really began to grasp. You've allowed somebody else to change your identity. You've allowed identity theft. Someone else, culture, society has renamed who you are. This is a time to redefine by what God says. Or maybe it's, it's freedom you need or unforgiveness that's, um, that's plaguing your body. Can I pray for us today? Jesus, thank you for this time. I thank you for your people, God, that are sitting here, God. I ask that you would penetrate their hearts with your word, God. Please, Lord, redefine our identity. Where we've lost our identity by what culture and society says, redefine us, God, to be who you're calling us to be, where there's unforgiveness lurking in our hearts, God. Free us of the unforgiveness. Give us the truth of your word that we may forgive, God, 
because our life depends on it and where we need freedom, God, where we need freedom from addiction, where we need freedom from self-indulgence, where we need freedom from depression. I ask that you intercede now, God. Give us your word, God, and help us to hear you clearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.